listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Justine Hanna, here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile Natalie Mason, and we're coming to you from Melbourne Library Service. Hi, Justine. Hi, Natalie. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are you today? <laughs> I'm very, very well. How exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> today on our podcast, we are talking about books and authors who are appearing at the Melbourne Writers' Festival this year. Isn't it a glorious time of year? It is indeed a glorious time of year. Well, before we get started, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you've been reading. So tweet us at melblibrary, at, that's at M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y, with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. And all the books we mention on our show today will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page. You can find that via our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. All right, so of the authors that are appearing at the Melbourne Writers' Festival, the first one we're going to talk about today is, drumroll please, Justine. <laughs> I don't have a drum, so just go with it. Okay. Uh, Rainbow Rowell. And I'm going to be talking about her book, Landline. Beautiful. Which is an adult fiction novel. Georgie McCool knows her marriage is in trouble, that it's been in trouble for a long time. She still loves her husband, Neil, and he still loves her, but that almost seems beside the point. Two days before they're supposed to visit Neil's family in Omaha for Christmas, Georgie tells him that she can't go. She's a TV writer and something's come up. She's got an opportunity for a new show, so she needs to stay in Los Angeles and write some episodes. She knows that Neil's going to be upset with her. He's always a little bit upset with her, but she doesn't expect him to pack up the kids and go home to Omaha without her. When her husband and the kids leave for the airport, Georgie wonders if she's finally done it. Has she ruined everything? That night, Georgie discovers a way to communicate with Neil in the past. It's not time travel, but she feels like she's been given an opportunity to fix her marriage before it starts. Or is that what she's supposed to do? Maybe it'd be better off if her and Neil never got married in the first place. What? Yeah, I know. So... This is an interesting book. I was under the mistaken impression, I'm not sure if it was given to me or if it was just me, um, that this was going to be a funny book. I'd heard it was funny. No, actually, it's not. <laughs> it's actually really quite, you know, serious and, and, and semi-heartbreaking. Um, it's really quite nice. It's very well written. Um, to be honest, I enjoyed it, but I put it down and I went, okay, that was that. It was, it was just a nice story. It was done well. It was pretty obvious what was going to happen, uh, but it was all written very nicely. The, um, the kids were great, actually. I really enjoyed the way that they were written and, you yeah, I actually kind of got annoyed with Georgie. She is really quite selfish and self-involved and Neil's a bit of a, I mean, not a, not a saint, but, you know, he's, he's actually a really amazing person and guy and husband and uh, she does take him for granted a lot of the time. So part of me, part of the way through, was like, maybe you shouldn't get back together with Neil. <laughs> but uh, it was actually quite a satisfying book, um, nothing terribly heavy and certainly not funny, <laughs> but that was Landline by Rainbow Rowell. Natalie, what Rainbow Rowell book have you read? Well, I read Fangirl, which is a YA novel that she's written. She released it, or pu- released it, like it's a record. <laughs> she, she published it, like what authors do, um, in 2013, the same year that another one of her YA novels, Eleanor and Park, was published. It's kind of incredible that she published two novels for the same sort of audience in the same year. So what, a, what a writer. Mm. Um, 
they couldn't be further apart, however, these two books. Um, they're both about young misfits, about awkward first loves and about music and comic and novel obsessions. It's about being young and loving something, being a fan, which is a great, a great <laughs> thing to be. But while Eleanor and Park is dark and ultimately quite sad, Fangirl is a little... It's not that much more upbeat, but it certainly is a lighter read, I would say. Fangirl tells the story of identical twins, Katha and Wren. They were supposed to be one baby called Catherine, but they were twins, so their parents just split their names. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Katha and Wren are in their first year of college. Katha, as she prefers to be called, has a hard time adjusting um, to this new environment because of her social anxiety disorder. It makes her very afraid to talk to people, to attend social events, that sort of thing, even just to get along with a roommate. A lot of Kath's free time is spent writing fan fiction for a book series about a boy magician named Simon Snow. And Kath is obsessed with these books. She has tens of thousands of passionate followers who read her fan fiction daily on the internet. So she posts new chapters and blog posts about where her versions of these characters are going. And it's amazing because what she's done is taken this uh, eight-book series. Sound familiar, anyway, Mm -hmm. about a young boy (laughs) magician? Um, She's taken this uh, story about... Simon Snow and his arch nemesis, uh, Baz Pitch, I think his name is, um, and she's turned the two of them into a romantic couple. So they've had to, like, get past their you know, their rivalry to fall in love. So Kath is writing this kind of beautiful, overarching romance story that doesn't exist in the original novels, and that's her, you know, fan fictionalising, I guess, of her favourite book series. Interestingly, Kath's fiction writing professor fails her when Kath submits a piece of her fan fiction as a writing assignment, and the professor calls it plagiarism. Um, it's a pretty interesting thing to think about, um, whether Kath, her imaginings of these characters and what they can do in her version of their world, whether that's plagiarism because she didn't invent the characters herself. It's a really great topic to kind of think about. And the book that goes a fair way to discussing it. it doesn't give you a it's right or wrong, it's up to you as the reader. So it's that's a great part of this book. I really enjoyed reading it, mostly because I felt it to be a realistic tale of obsession with pop culture and what it means to be a fan and to immerse yourself in another world, almost to the point where you, you function better in that imagined world than you do in the real world. And plus the romance between Kath and I Can't Tell You Who is a real delight to read. It's just so perfect. Um, Raoul wrote a novel called Carry On in 2015. Let's see if I can clarify this because <laughs> it's a bit confusing to me. But she wrote Carry On as a standalone story about the characters Simon Snow and Baz Pitch. So they're from the fictional novel series that Kath obsesses about in Fangirl. So Rainbow Rowell's kind of taken that fictional story that was intertwined in Fangirl, pulled it out and written a whole novel. It's a fantasy novel about these magicians and vampires and all sorts of magic. Um, and it's her first fantasy novel outside of these kind of YA and, you know, adult romance books that she writes. And um, and this and Carry On is a love story starring the two main characters. Um, and it, so it's written as a standalone novel. novel. It's not a com- – I guess it's a companion piece to Fangirl and if you enjoy the kind of magical characters that Kath is obsessed with in Fangirl, you'd probably go on and read Carry On and enjoy that as well. Um so the author that we've been talking about, Rainbow Rowell, is coming to the Melbourne Writers' Festival. She's appearing on a number of panels, including YA superstars, uh, fantasy fiction and the pleasures of fandom. 
I think she gets fandom in a way that I think most writers does. don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rainbow I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the fantasy fiction one. Yeah. I, th- I could imagine you enjoying that a great deal. <laughs> and she's speaking with Lev Grossman as well, who wrote the Magicians trilogy. So I'm, I'm really interested in that particular panel. Yeah. Front row seats for you? Uh, probably not. Second row? <laughs> Maybe second. All right. What other author and novelist uh, and writer is a Melbourne F- Writers' Festival person that you're a bit excited about? Well, you, I believe, young Natalie, reviewed this a uh, couple of episodes ago, oh, Our I- Magic. Magic Hour by Jennifer Down, and she's coming to the Melbourne Writers Festival. And since you reviewed this, it's been on my pile, and so I just bumped it up as you do. And I'll tell you a little bit about my experience reading it. Please do. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) So just to recap, Our Magic Hour is about Audrey, Katie and Adam, three friends Three people who have been friends since high school. A decade of sneaky cigarettes, drunken misadventures on Melbourne back streets, heart to hearts and in jokes. But now Katie is gone. And without her, Audrey is thrown off balance. Everything she thought she knew, everything she believed was true, is bent out of shape. So that's a very brief recap of Our Magic Hour. It is really lovely. I fell in love with this story. Um, It's a story of love, of loss, and of discovery of oneself, as well as the world around you, your family, your friends. Um, It is a debut novel, and it is just brilliant. It's really interesting. It's set in a Melbourne that I just, my heart beats to this Melbourne. Um, And it's almost like another character. I think you said that, Natalie, Melbourne itself in this book is almost like another character in its own right. Um, The the three friends, Audrey, Katie and Adam, are really well drawn. And then Katie, uh, sorry, uh, Adam and Audrey after the loss of Katie and the way that they work through grief and their wider friendship circle and families is just written so well. It really spoke to me. Um, it nearly had me in tears, I will admit. I, I, I'm, a, I'm definitely, I was feeling the, the pain, the emotional pain in this book. And uh, I just thought it was really, really well done. And I think we've all had that that thing where you're in your mid-twenties and you are you are an adult, you're doing adult things, but in your head you're still young and you're still playing with your friends in a lot of ways. You know, you're having potluck dinners and you're, you know, you're going out to concerts and, you know, I mean, you're still doing that now, hopefully. But you, the way you think about life and, and your friendship circle and, and your family is a little bit different. And uh, reading it, I just, I, I was just there. It could have been me, although thankfully I've never had to um, live through such a tragedy that, that Audrey and Adam did. But yeah, I, I I really loved it. So that's Our Magic Hour by Jennifer Down. And Jennifer Down will be appearing uh, at a book launch, The Near and the Far, and also at a session called New Australian Fiction, which also features Rajesh Savanadasa. I think, um, was it Tony Jordan that talked about Rajesh's new book? Yes, it was. I think was. she did. Yeah, so yeah. Another, one, another one to keep an eye another out for. Another one to put on the list. Yes. All right, Natalie. Speaking of 25-year-olds... <laughs> Um, I am still listening to, so I haven't finished it, but I don't think that matters because it's quite astounding. I'm listening to Yasmin's Story by Yasmin Abdel-Megid. She's incredible. What a, yeah, what an inspiration. She was born in Sudan and raised in Brisbane. Um, she's a mechanical engineer, which 
I find quite inspiring. She's an author, a political commentator and a youth advocate. She's won a very long list of awards, including Young Australian Muslim of the Year in 2007. She was 16 years old mm. at that time. And Queensland Young Australian of the Year in 2015. She has such energy. I think that's why I find it inspiring. I don't mean inspiring in a condescending way. I mean that, there, you know, she's a young woman who's a doer. She's active. She makes things happen. She affects the change. She talks about. She actually does it. And I find that really it, it kind of uh, lifts my spirits. That's what I mean by inspires. I hope that's clear. Um, she founded an organisation called Youth Without Borders um, that aims to empower young people to work together for positive change with, within their own communities. Um, this is her first novel. Um, it was published this year. It's a memoir. It's a story of her life. And she's, as I mentioned, 25 years old. Um, I've been listening to her read me her book on Belinda Borrowbox, which is the e-audio platform we have at Melbourne Library Service. So I've been hearing her in my headphones on my way to work every day over the last few weeks. And I feel like we're old friends and she's just giving me a call in the morning to just tell me a bit more about her life. Just the power of audiobooks, especially when the author is reading them to you. Mm. It's just such a positive experience to think that a 25-year-old has had enough life experience to fill an entire book. And she really has. It's just so easy for older people to be cynical and doubt the wisdom that someone younger may have to offer. But I am all ears all ears. She's no slouch. Yasmin has achieved a great deal in her life so far and she's an active member of her own community. She has a full social media presence so she's able to be engaged with if her ideas spark your interest and her blog is really thoughtful. It's called Redefining the Narrative. I think for me the most striking parts of her story are when she describes the shift in attitudes towards her and the Muslim community in general in Australia pre and post 9-11. So it was this time when some parts of the media began demonising Muslims and using the word terrorist on a regular basis. I find it to be a really unique perspective because Yasmin was 10 years old in 2001 and she saw this shift through her very young eyes. She remembers what it's like before 2000. And one and after 2001. Mm. And when she speaks to people even younger than her in the Muslim community, they don't know what it was like before 9-11. They don't know how um, their community was embraced in, in a completely different way, um, which is just really eye-opening. Um, her, her experience shaped the way she grew up and perhaps it makes it no surprise that she was able to only six years after the events of 9-11, go ahead and win Young Australian Muslim of the Year in 2007. She works very hard to affect positive change in her community. Her life is an amazing story and I'm loving hearing the wisdom of a young woman. So, Yasmin, keep writing, keep blogging, keep sharing, keep appearing on TV. Um, she's speaking on the Generation Future panel and the Feminism Then and Now panel at the Melbourne Writers' Festival and I'm really looking forward to hearing her speak. Some more. I mean, she's like I say every day. She travels to work with me, but <laughs> I'm, I'm looking so forward good. to you know to hearing her speak with other people. <laughs> What's next on your list? What other Melbourne Writers Festival author have you chosen for us today? Okay, well, the last book I'm going to talk about today is called The Island Will Sink by Brioni Doyle. And this is the first foray uh, by that wonderful literary magazine, The Lifted Brow, into publishing. And this is their first novel. So, exciting really for exciting. Them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's set in the not-too-distant future, which is perpetually on the brink of collapse. 
Um, the energy crisis has come and gone. Eco law is enforced by insidious cartoon panda bears and their army of uh, viral marketing children. The world loves uh, catastrophe. That's the most popular form of entertainment. And what the world is fascinated by in this book is the sinking of Pitcairn Island into the Pacific. Uh, basically, they're wondering if this is going to be the end of it all. If the island sinks or when the island sinks, uh, does that mean that the world is done? Um, amongst it all, our main character, Max Gallion, who is an an anxious family man and a blockbuster director, movie director, he lives a life that he can't quite remember. It's really, really interesting. Uh, the line between real and unreal is quite blurry. Uh, you can actually outsource and edit your memories, and that's what Max does, which makes him the most unreliable narrator. And we get that feeling throughout the whole um, of this novel. To begin with, it's um, it's quite a bit wordy. It took me a little bit. It's not a book that you can sit down in front of the TV with the TV on and read. You know how sometimes you can just not pay attention to the television, but with this one you really need to sit down in a quiet space and get into it. But once you're into it, it kept me up way past my bedtime. It uh, it was pretty – I thought it was really gripping, actually, and I just wanted to know what was happening, what was going on. Like, half the time I wasn't even sure I knew what was going on, and I'm not sure the main character did either. Um, it's really, really – different. I haven't read anything quite like this in the past. Max's films are um, cathartic. He makes these, you know, near apocalyptic movies that um, is all about just, just surviving and getting through. And they use this, I think they call it haptic um, technology and basically it's immersive. So you are watching the, the movie from your own point of view. You're in it. You're, you're there. You're the one that's surviving. And so it's this real cathartic release at the end when you realise, oh, actually, it's I'm not in the movie. Or I did survive, <laughs> but I'm not in the movie. Um, so, and he's sort of a bit jaded, it seems. And um, then there's this new young hotshot director that's coming on the scene and doing things a bit differently. So there's a bit of rivalry there. Um, also, uh, because he outsources his memories he doesn't well he doesn't remember um, but he has this archive that he can bring up any image and he uses his memories and he uses his conversations with other people that then transform into his memories that then transform into this archive documentary and he uses all of that in his films and it's really very very interesting and he edits them though he can he can delete memories and his wife can delete and edit his memories and so it just makes it for this really disconcerting read. You, you're reading it going, what is actually true and, and what isn't? And then all throughout, there is this focus on the island will sink, that Pecan Island is actually sinking gradually, but it's been happening, you know, it's going to happen quicker and quicker. And that's the subject of, of Max's um, latest film. It's really different. It's really interesting. Um, there's uh, Galleon's got two children, uh, a 12-year-old son who is working on a timeline of misconception as a school project, which is basically <laughs> marking the major moments in history when we can no longer be certain about what we once held as true. Um, so it's just really 
funny but very dark um, take on on life today and on the media and on our obsession with, you know, fantasy worlds and gaming and the news and all of this sort of stuff. It's so interesting. I really, really, really uh, enjoyed it. The ending, um, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I actually was wondering whether it's all going to be a dream at one point. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's, so, it's so funny. So you've got to just get past the beginning, which is very wordy, and then into... Um, the, the the real sort of intelligent, stimulating parts of, of this book. And um, I think everybody, will, uh, if you give it a chance, will really enjoy it. So that's The Island Will Sink by Brioni Doyle. Brioni will be appearing at Asia Pacific Narratives and also her book launch for The Island Will Sink uh, is Saturday the 27th of August at 3pm. So check out the Melbourne Writers' Festival for more details on that one. Natalie, what's your last Melbourne Writers' Festival book for today? I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm just so excited. So I I am a fan, right? I would describe myself as a fan. I've been a music fan for a very long time and I had a different life before I started working in libraries and it was in the music industry. And so I, I, um, I know that pleasure of listening to an album over and over and over again and then going to see the band perform it live. There's just such great energy um, when something recorded comes to life. Now, it's a completely different relationship for me with writers because I read a book and I gain great pleasure from reading and then I close the last page and I take it back to the library and I take the next book and I have that general, hopefully, the same kind of positive <laughs> experience. But I don't often go back and reread things and I don't think of authors in the same way as I think of musicians. I don't know if that's just me, but that's that's it. However, uh-huh. <laughs> there are exceptions to every rule, <laughs> and I believe this writer is a bit of a rock star for me. I'm talking about Ivan E. Coyote. Um, now, I accidentally stumbled across Ivan's work maybe two years ago, and I talk about Ivan often. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> I haven't mentioned them before. Um, I'm going to talk about an anthology of short stories called Missed Her that was um, released in 2010. But I'll give you a bit of information about Ivan in case you haven't heard of them before. Uh, Ivan is a Canadian spoken word performer, a writer and a columnist. They collaborated with Ray Spoon in 2012 on a tour where they performed music and spoken word pieces about their failed attempts to fit into the gender binary. The tour became a book that was published in 2014 called Gender Failure and it's really amazing. They take it in turns to write a chapter each or an essay each. It's more like an essay collection. It's nonfiction. Um, and there are some um, photos from some of their performances. And some of the essays in that collection are about the performances that they gave. But they don't write together. They write separately. So it's one chapter each. Love that book. Really great. In late 2015, Coy- oh, Ivan did a TED Talk called We Need a Safe Place to Pee, um, where Ivan discussed the need for gender-neutral bathrooms in public places, particularly for young people, change rooms, universities, um, swimming pools, those sorts of places. Ivan really appealed for a safe place for trans people who don't match the signs on the doors of the toilets. And, then th- and Ivan also talked about the harassment that they have experienced as a masculine-appearing trans person uh, attempting to use the, ma- the male and also the female toilets and their negative experiences in both cases. Um, So for me, Ivan is a modern day superhero uh, trying to make the world a better place for young people um, and advocating for safe spaces for trans people of all ages. So superhero, right? A rock star. So Misto is a short story collection that Ivan published in 2010 and it was the first of their books that I read and then I pretty much went and read all of the other ones. I find Ivan's writing incredible. I always feel like I'm in the room watching Ivan's stories take place. Their slice of life 
life kind of stories, snippets of someone's day, a conversation, amusing on lost love, heartbreak or romance, on coming out, on family support or lack thereof, um, on finding strength to be who you are, and quite a bit about other people and their reactions to who they think you are. So if you've ever been mistaken for what you are not or underestimated or just completely misunderstood, you will find comfort and often beauty in Ivan's words. Um, At the library, we have these little review cards where us librarians will write a little recommendation and pop it in the book and then pop it on display. And hopefully it'll catch somebody's eye. So I did this for Missed Her after I read it. And I wrote something along the lines of of, um, growing up queer in a small town in Canada is tough enough, but Ivan's stories will open hearts and minds very simple, left it at that. And the book was returned to the library a couple of weeks later and it had that review card in it tucked in the back page. And so I popped it out and popped it up the front and I noticed that someone had written a little reply to me because we sign all of our review cards here at the library. And there was a little little reply that said, thank you, Natalie. I read this book in 24 hours and it changed my world. Mm. And I felt, you know what, it changed my world too. And how wonderful to be able to share that. I can't take any credit for, for, you know, for changing somebody's world, but I take full credit for the recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) but I I really I truly agree Ivan's writing changes worlds it's absolutely highly recommended I was so excited I must have squealed or something when I saw Ivan's name in the Melbourne Writers Festival program and I'm very excited about getting to some of their events they're um, actually teaching a writing masterclass so if you have writing inclinations um, Ivan is teaching performing your stories so Mm. it's bringing your uh, stories to life in a spoken word capacity Um, and Ivan is also speaking at the Queer Literary Salon. So if uh, Ivan sparked your imagination like they've sparked mine, um, uh, you can check out the Melbourne Writers' Festival program for more details. That sounds so interesting. I'm really excited too to see Ivan. You should come with me. I should. Okay, done. Okay. <laughs> Let's make a plan. Yep. Well, that's our show. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we discussed on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the read page. And we want to know what you're reading or what sessions of the Melbourne Writers Festival you're going to. What writers are rock stars for you? I'm so curious. You can tweet us at Library. that's M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y with the hashtag Dear Reader, or join the conversation on Goodreads. Don't forget you can download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes or SoundCloud by searching for Melbourne Library Service. And if you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love to have you leave us a review on iTunes. It does help others find out about the show and it gives us a warm, fuzzy glow. The groovy music on our program is by Ben Mason. Check out more of his music at www.benmason.com.au. And until next time, Dear Reader, thanks for listening. <laughs>